You know what time it is No matter where you've been So let's do it again Listen up and let the sun shine And we've got soul training Time to practice what you preach Ooh, yeah. Yes we do, we've got soul training Dano and Big Show, I want to ask you a question. I want both of you to answer if you can. Excluding your current occupation or career, what would you be doing if you weren't doing what you're doing? That's easy. I would want to be a musician. Check them out. You can't. You guys can't see them, but okay. What he's what Big Show is showing us on this podcast is uh, he's got some socks. That have guitars of various uh, designs all over them. Not just guitars. I've, they've got flying V's and Les Pauls on them. I said various designs. <laughs> well, awesome guitars. Awesome that. guitars. That's right. So That's you, right. You would be a musician. Sure thing, man. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. So with you know having those musical socks, then is, is that soul music? Sure. Whatever kind of music pays the bills, I guess. Okay. So Big Show would be a musician. What would you do? You know, I guess the only other thing I had really thought about doing would be um, teaching history. You know, I, I really enjoy history, love learning uh, about the past, learning the stories of who we are and how we got here. And uh, I enjoy teaching and put those things together. Do you believe history repeats itself? Well, like Mark Twain once said, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a rhythm. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, well, you are going to ask me what I would be doing? What would you be doing? Okay, I, know, I was hoping you'd ask. <laughs> uh, I would be a chicken farmer. Would you? Yes, smartest bird around, I think. I think they're out there that really are. When I was a little boy, and I've always been big for my age, uh, I used to go to my aunt and uncle's little place in Nobob, Kentucky, a real place, Nobob, and they had chickens. And I got spurred by the rooster once and i learned where the turf was and where i could go and where i couldn't but i love those chickens because those chickens gave me something to do i got to feed them but you know what else the chickens taught me what's that how to get along how to get along how to get along with people i was an only child so those chickens taught me how to get along with people you know how they did that how's that well they handled their disagreements the way we should you know, they just moved about. They didn't have any problems, any challenges or anything. They just kind of moved around, got through each day. i got to be honest. I was picturing a Dr. Doolittle situation here. No, no. Yeah. They were just. You ever hear chickens talk? Uh, never heard chickens talk. Yeah, it's such foul language they use. Foul language. Well, that's my mother wouldn't let me hang out if it was foul language <laughs> then in, in the chicken pen. Um, but, you know, when I think about dealing with chickens, you know, it's a lot like dealing with people. And uh, that's kind of where our, our big idea of where we're going today is disagreements, you know. And I, and I love chickens. I love Kentucky fried chicken. I love rotisserie chicken. I love baked chicken. I love all kinds of fried chicken, boiled chicken, all those things. But really, ultimately, I love chickens because of what they have taught me, not of how they, you know, give me nutrition. But uh, I just think about what we can learn from chickens. And when you think about what chickens, what, what would you think chickens could teach us about disagreements today? Well, aren't they kind of violent whenever they're? Yeah. Well, that, that rooster was. I still got the scar. Yeah. Maybe the lesson there is don't be too cocky or, you know. I took off. Yeah. 
I was big for my age, but I was quick that day when he took when he was when he got me. I took off running, yeah. but they are a little violent. Like I mean, maybe I don't know. You know, you got me doubting myself a little bit. I, <laughs> they taught me a lot. I, I'll tell you that. Uh, I just think that they teach us about disagreements, and I think when I look around, you know, today with social media, we always point to that as a kind of a timeline or a reference point. I think about um, how we see people who disagree with one another and who say things they normally would not say in person because you don't get to, you don't get the advantage of reading the body language or the context of what someone is dealing with. And so then it kind of creates a storm of back and forth. And I know big show Joe was talking about pizza earlier that if you get one kind of pizza and then somebody may not like that and then they label you as, you know, anti mozzarella or something like that, or, right. you know, I like thin crust myself. Oh, but, how could you be so wrong? Well, see, I, well, I also like thick crust, too, though. You <laughs> let me finish. See, so you quick yeah, jump, like Barney Five told Thelma Lou. Barney told Thelma Lou, you jump to conclusions. <laughs> so you've already jumped to conclusions. I That's why I'm in such top physical condition right now, because I eat, you know, thin and thick crust pizza. And the chocolate allergy. That yeah. makes me swell sometimes. <laughs> And then you throw in the fried chicken too. So, but you're right. I just—it feels like we live in an age that you can't have a disagreement anymore and just shake hands and walk away and still be buddies. Not in a civil way. You just don't hear civil dis- discourse anymore. No matter if it's something of mass importance or something minuscule, mm-hmm. whatever the disagreement is, we as a society tend to shield ourselves from all of that and only stay with our clump of like-minded individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what that's not what the apostles did. It is not. As you jump, jump into that, I just want to ask you all, I have an, a theory too, but why do you think that we've entered into such a, a culture or a mindset? And I, I have an, an, a response to that too, that I think, this is what I think, but why do you think that people are so quick to just be fussy about everything and, and be, you know, like you said, you can't lose anymore. You can't win. It's all got to be well, divided. Uh, do you want to go? You want me to go? Well, I don't know. I, I think there's a, a lot of things that, that play into it. Um, I think some of it is that in the age of, of social media and, and instant, an instant voice out there, you send out that tweet, that status update, that whatever – um, we can instantly respond to whatever the news story is or whatever is going on. We respond with emotion. We respond with emotion, and there's sort of and a, instantly, instantly, you don't take time to listen and kind of make an opinion for yourself. Yeah, you don't wait for a story to develop and all the facts to come out. And if you don't make an instant observation, well, you are light years behind, my friend. You need to get with the get with the program. That's right. And by the time all the information comes in, the narrative is set. Yeah. And you've got to... That doesn't matter. No. <laughs> so you think just the, the inst- instantaneous access to... Well, yeah, I think that's part of it. Is, you know, one of one of the things I think if we're going to talk about um, disagreeing and, and dis- uh, disagreeing without being disagreeable, right, and trying to... Um, uh, to disagree in respectful ways and, and decent Christian ways, one of the places we got to go to is James chapter one, verse twelve. 
Well, I was going to say uh, verse 19. I jumped to conclusions. I'm sorry. Well, sorry. that's okay. That's okay. Uh, but verse 19 says, But this you know, my beloved brethren, uh, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Well, so the kind of the first step there is we got to be slow. I mean, we got to be quick to hear, slow to speak. Uh, somebody once said, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth because he wants us to listen twice as much as we talk. Um, a big part of resolving disagreements or handling disagreements is actually listening to the other side. I think that's a huge area that people just don't do. They don't listen to Seek the Seek first to under, understand, then be understood. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Somebody once told me that uh, one of the formulas they use, and I, I, I stole it, is they listen, gather facts, then make a decision. They try to go through that process every time. So Dano says access to each other is really the reason why we have so many disagreements so quick. What, what's your take? Uh, well, we have some unique issues that the rest of history's never had to deal with. Everything is tailored specifically to individuals. And so if something's not... Like a me culture? It, yeah, well, we have, let's say on social media, if we don't like what this guy's saying, we can just unfollow or, you know, turn off his alerts. Or, I mean, it's no secret now that there's various news agencies are labeled as leaning right or left or I don't know if any of the lean center, they're usually right or left, but you don't even have to listen to the other side. You just listen to the things. Everything is tailored specifically to what you uh, want, to what you kind of, kind of lean towards. And I mean, I guess that can be a good or bad thing, but it seems like whenever everything is presented specifically for you, you only hear certain things, certain sides of things. And people don't even want to listen to other perspectives. Well, why would I? I can listen to the things that I want to listen to. You know, how many times have you seen somebody post a status that says something like, you know, if if you think, you know, if you like pepperoni pizza, unfriend me. Probably not pepperoni pizza. But if you have this standpoint or you think this or don't think this, unfriend me. And the the other thing, you know, used to, I'm, I'm assuming in times before we lived, if there was the town nut spewing things that you, you didn't agree with, well, that guy's just nuts. But nowadays, everything's presented in such a professional manner. Even things that are, well, could be fake or could be conspiracy theories. There's no facts for. There's a professional-looking person on television or a professional-looking person on YouTube or Doing a professional-looking yeah. meme. It looks legit. Um that's a lot more readily available than it would have been decades before. Well, I, and that's what I guess I was going to say a combination of both of those. I just think everybody has such, you know, access. I can remember, you know, I love my dad loved reading the newspaper and I can remember having to wait for the newspaper to get here and and you might watch the news and stuff like that, but that was about it. But now everybody's got their own venue, their own platform, their own that you basically have your own newscast if you wanted to in your home and people do. So everybody gets to, everybody has a voice and everybody uses that voice, which creates more opportunity for disagreements. And, and you kind of led into something that I'd written down earlier in preparation for this is I think who we serve should dictate our strategy because I, I what I, my hope is, is for the three of us and, and maybe this podcast of our dear listener is to 
as we seek to provide soul training because all souls are important is I want people to walk away with maybe a strategy of how to disagree without being being disagreeable. So I think who we serve should dictate our strategy. So if we're serving ourselves, then we're probably going to be a little more edgy, a little more pushy, a little more aggressive if we're serving ourselves. And we realize we're serving Christ, then we're going to listen. We're going to be more patient. We're going to be more loving and forgiving and understanding and not be quick to pounce of what of what Daniel's already read about being swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Well, and you know, with that slowing down, not being quick to pounce, but slowing down, part of that hearing is I think I think largely people don't listen to the other side anymore. They listen to what their side says about the other side. <laughs> right. And so my what happens as a result of that is if all I do is listen to what my side says about the other side, then I get a caricature in my mind of what the other side is. I don't get an accurate representation. And so I wind up reacting to what I think they are, which is probably not an accurate description of what they actually are. So I may be reacting to ideas or positions or even people that are not typical of any significant portion of the population, really, if I actually were talking to those people. One of my, um, and I'd like to go to Ephesians chapter 4 just in a minute, when we seek to walk in unity and not division, but... As I listen to the thing you, the line of language you all are saying about listening and being slow to hear, or quick to hear, slow to wrath, slow to respond. Uh, one of my favorite secular speakers I like to listen to is a guy named Gary Nessner. He was the FBI agent at Waco. He negotiated um, like he was. He was there for several several days, and even in his book called Stalling for Time, and even in his if you, if you listen to any videos or YouTube or in speaking engagements. He'll say that when I was removed from more of a militant approach, he said no one else walked out of that compound. But the reason why I bring Gary up and what does that have to do with what we're talking about is he said I never, you know, all the 30-plus years I was in the FBI, I never condoned bank robbers. I never condoned David Koresh. I never condoned any of those things. But he said what I did that made me successful is I listened. He said I listened and tried to find some way to – work through the situation. He said, I never condoned or went along with anything, but he said, people just want someone to hear them. Mm-hmm. He said, I, I, I tried to listen and I tried to listen to people. And uh, that was the reason why that, uh, you know, very limited loss of life. And, you know, he gives the example of Waco. He said, when they removed me, nobody else walked out. So I think being compassionate, listening to folks does go a long way. Um, I was just, I was doing some work the other day, and some uh, some of the folks that I was working with, they lived at this property that we were um, checking out for work, and uh, they were upset that some things hadn't been fixed there. Well, and what I was doing there, I didn't have the power to get it done. Um, but I stood there and listened and told them I'd pass along their complaints, and they were happy as larks that somebody with a clipboard listened to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told them, I don't know that I can help you, but I will definitely listen and take your complaints down. That seemed to make a difference in there. I wasn't there, but I bet you said these two words. I understand. I did. I be. I know. And you know, when you said I understand, their antenna went down, their blood pressure went down a little bit because they knew it you, you provided empathy. Right. Well, I tried. I think empathy, that, that's a key word here, because to be empathetic, you don't necessarily have to believe the other person is right, but you can see 
their position. You can put yourself in their shoes. Why do we talk to people? Because we want to feel better. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one, one reason. Yeah. Um, that's pretty deep, Al. <laughs> I think that's a different podcast. <laughs> you kind of act shocked that I was able to whip out something deep. I think the room just got a little brighter. Wow. See, I'm growing. It's all that chicken. <laughs> and I get it extra crispy. Well, I know. I feel better when, when I hear you talk. So, Do you yeah, really? Yeah. yeah, someone else. I thought somebody was giving me a compliment once with this guy and told me after a lesson I had – he said, you know, Alan, he said, I wish you would record a book for us because every time you speak, you put my wife to sleep. I'm like, you know, the first part of it, I was really excited. He just set you up and then knocked your legs out from under you. So I, I, yeah. I think you got to have empathy. And, you know, and even in your situation, you didn't come out and say, I can fix this. You just said, I understand, and I'm going to work on this. Because you know what you provided? Hope. I think, well, I, I hope that I did. Well, and that – you know, looking at somebody else's position, for most people, I think, if we really thought, hey, if I had their experiences and were in their situation, in all likelihood, I would think pretty much the way they are, which doesn't mean they're right, and doesn't mean I'm right, but it means that their position is understandable from a certain viewpoint. Um and it helps, I think, in disagreeing with someone if you can get to the root of where that disagreement actually is, where the where you're working off of different assumptions, uh, so that then you can you know work toward a, a common set of, of facts and and get to uh, you know quit disagreeing about the things that that don't even even matter because you're. You know, you you don't need to disagree about what type of uh, shingles you're going to put on a house when you can't decide if it's going to be a brick house or a log house. You know, you, you got to build up to some first stuff. things first. And look first at the, first. and look at the big picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess I want to I guess circle back around to when we realize who we serve or what our our motive is. Then uh, I think that helps to dictate our our strategy. And I think if we're going to you know disagree without being disagreeable disagreeable we have to have some negotiation skills and and active and listening skills and some expressive language skills too and i think that's presented for us in ephesians chapter four because i think about unity you know i want i want everybody i want to be unified with everybody but i think when we focus on what's right instead of who's right i think we're better to accomplish that mm-hmm. but ephesians chapter four beginning of verse one says Hold it up close to me here. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So Paul is writing, and he's saying, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I serve the Lord, beseech, which is, for me, another way of saying, beg you to walk worthy of your calling with which, where is your allegiance? Your allegiance is to Christ. So you said, I want to follow Christ. So show me by your words and your actions. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond in the bond of peace. Therefore, is, is there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, and above all, and through all, and in you all. So, for me, there are key. When I see the key ones, I've heard it called uh, of how many ones that are there. Um, I guess depending on which version you use, but one is the continued theme that we, when it reminds us of who we serve, then that should help direct our discussions, our disagreements. And I hate to say arguments, 
but you know, I guess I use marriage, you know, for you know, a, a better example, I guess for me is when you do have disagreements, but when you realize that you want to stay married, the bigger purpose, then you find ways to work through both sides of an issue or a challenge, no matter how small or how big. I think you just hit uh, the nail on the head right there. That, that's a, a big issue there. In that marriage, you care about that other person more than you care about your opinion uh, about something. You value them, and I, I think that would help tremendously if we would learn to value people more than we value our opinions. That doesn't mean that you know there aren't lines that have to be drawn and there aren't stands that have to be made, but we got to value people. You know, think about in the um, in the group of the apostles that had to work together. There are some really different backgrounds. There, can you imagine Very how different demographics awkward it was when you get Simon the Zealot and put him on the same team as Matthew the tax collector? You know, because uh, the Zealots, their their thing was we got we need to rise up and rebel against Rome. Uh, we got to kick them out. Let's let's we're we're kind of militant here. Let's fight against Rome. And here Matthew, he's working for Rome. He's kind of would be viewed by Simon as a as a, a turncoat or something. Yet here they can't politically they can't get further apart from one another. Yet they both have to work together as apostles, valuing one another and valuing Jesus more than their political opinions. Because of the greater good. Because of the big focus and the big picture and and the vision. And who they serve, like you said. Well, we know, too, that the apostles, uh, Jews, (laughs) were going out and preaching to Gentiles. And there were some divisions that were deeply rooted there. That had to have been a tough pill to swallow, at least initially. Um, And not necessarily a disagreement, but you think about Jonah and I was getting to that Jonah four eleven. Am I in your notes again? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, your your eyes I'm, are better than I thought. You know what though? I'm the producer. You're the guy <laughs> supposed to. You're the host. Yeah, I work for you. I'm sorry. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, I well, see. <laughs> Jonah, he he did anything he could to not go to Nineveh because I'm sure they had disagreements on things. He didn't agree with anything those guys were doing. God had a different plan for that. But I'll let you take it away, Big Al. Well. You just gave me another nickname, but I've had that since I was a child. Yeah. I got Big Al in elementary school. Or, I think that's one we ought to stick with for him, yeah. Big Al. Or Husky Jeans. Is that, does that officially make us done with the nicknames? <laughs> I hope not. Oh, boy, I, I love do. You. My high school football. Maybe we can put a nickname poll up or something on Facebook. And while you're on Facebook voting on this nickname poll, make sure to uh, to you know, like the, the page, follow the page. While you're on your phone, go ahead and uh, give give us a five star review that helps other people find soul training and and blesses us and we appreciate that. I was dynamite. Good job, Daniel. You were dynamite. No, he oh, was. Okay. I said that was dynamite. About, okay, I was, I'm just making note. I can't keep up. I need a spreadsheet for all these <laughs> all these nicknames. But you put some up about nicknames. Do that. Okay. Yeah, I, that'd be cool. I, I like to to do that. I'll, I'll create a fake Facebook account. I'll, <laughs> I don't think some. you have to do that. You don't. Anyhow, okay. You were you were um, talking Jonah chapter four. Uh, for me, when I, of course, we know that uh, as you say, Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh because basically he wanted uh, the people he was going to be preaching to. He wanted them to be wiped out. He wanted them to be wiped out, but he knew because of what Hosea was preaching 
that eventually, because the Assyrians were going to take over Israel, they were going to take over his his people, his home country. So he didn't want them to repent and get on a, a better uh, path because he knew eventually uh, that wiping out his team, you might say. But if you look at Jonah chapter 4, beginning of verse 10, but the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which comes up in a night and perished in a, di- in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which you are more than one, which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock. And he's talking about little kids too, people who cannot discern from their right hand or their left. But the idea is, is that God loves, love Jonah's enemies as much as he loves Jonah and God loves our enemies as much as he loves us. And I'm sure, you know, maybe we think that so-and-so is our enemy, but maybe they think we're their enemy. So we have to maybe, I think, keep that in uh, in perspective. I saw our friends, uh, the Unscripted Podcast, had posted a meme that said, uh, love challenging people because you're one of them. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Kind of, that's deep. It is kinda, deep. Kind of got my that. attention, too. <laughs> We're not going to give you credit on that one, though. No, I didn't. Oh, I take that one. Um, Chris Donovan, what's his friend's name? Bob Tips. Bob Tips. In Hattiesburg. Okay. They... Uh, they're the was it the Rick and Bubba? I think of the, that's what they <laughs> were. They, they refer to themselves. Uh, but I think you hit. So if if I'm listening correctly, if if my ears aren't deceiving me, the key to it is love. Love God, love fellow man, because isn't that what we're supposed to be doing anyhow? Yeah. Is spreading the word, and you're not going to spread the word if you've got a. <laughs> it's hard to to tell somebody a way to get to heaven if you just can't stand them. You know, you want to have love for that person. You know, Dale Carnegie even says that you can get more people interested in you, i.e. your message, if you are more interested in them. I think that's that's a good thought. And the whole thing just comes across differently if you are trying to convince somebody that you love of a different position rather than uh, – because you're coming at it from the standpoint of uh, – I love you, and I, I think it would make your life better in some way if you understood this differently. Um, rather than, I love my position, you are you disagree with my position, so you are my enemy, and so my object is to beat you down, shut you down. Because when when people come out of just wanting to win the argument, why do you really win? But also people become disingenuous in how they handle the truth, and it becomes just about winning the argument, so I don't have to really depict the facts fairly. I just have to construe things in the way that is is uh, most favorable to my side and, and most damaging to your side, even if I haven't been fair in how I treated the, the actual facts of the situation. You see politicians do that all the time. Maybe we have to, and something I've learned is you have to establish the need. Why do I want you to talk to me about Christ, or why do I want to talk to you have to establish the need, and then Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the answer. And that's where I need to, to focus. And I'm as guilty as anybody of not handling things correctly in a lot of different ways when it comes to disagreements or arguments or uh, debates and those kind of things. But when I'm reminded, because uh, there's a lot I love about the book of James, but if you go to James chapter 3, I'm reminded of the tongue. Because if you look at James chapter 3, verse 8, but no man can tame the tongue. It is, un, it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And if I am not in control 
of my tongue, you think about how many wars have been started or how many, you know, senseless crimes have taken place because of someone not controlling their tongue, their emotions over an argument. Mm -hmm. I mean, unfortunately, in, you know, no way at all, shape or form, making light of anything, but, you know, just look at the local news about every other night or even national news. And there's somebody who has lost their life over something at a restaurant, a parking spot, uh, something insignificant. Right. Yeah, I mean something, you know, um road road rage. That's right. Their heads tempers flared, people did something they shouldn't have and now lives are ruined because of it. I mean, I you know, with my kids are now driving and and I try to explain to them, you know, when somebody would pass me, you know, my son would say, "Oh, you know, catch them, catch them. Don't let them do that." And I said, <laughs> "No." I said, "Just let them go. You just you just wave at them and you slow down and let them go and one night, though, we were going home, and it was about dark 30, and there was this gray car that just came up right behind me, you know, with his lights, headlights on. And and I said it before I thought, you know, I said, you know, I wish this guy would, you know, would go on, or I'm, you know, I may just speed off. And then I realized it was a Kentucky State Trooper behind yeah. me, and I said, I, and my son said, speed up, and, you know, we'll find out if he, how serious, if he's going to pull you over or not. And uh, so I, I watched, I, you know, my words and actions began to match. And, so uh, you set your cruise control on 54. I, I, I slowed way down. <laughs> way, way down. And, uh, you know, the Mr. Trooper drove on by, and I, we yeah. waved at him right. and wished him the best. So it's all good. Oh, yeah, controlling that temper. You know, like we read earlier, the the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. You know, if it's a decision that's made in the heat of anger, it very rarely is that going to actually be a good decision. So it's just slowing down. I know I know we're getting close to end of time here, but I did want to bring up You mean the end of the podcast? Well, yeah. Are you making not a prophecy? Not, I'm not prophesying He's, the end of end time. End of time. Wait a minute here. You I heard it here first, guys. Because <laughs> I, I was thinking about well, uh That's the end of that podcast. Some some chicken. No. That's well, what I, I, was. I want to bring up that it is it's okay to disagree. Um it's not it's not the end of times if you disagree. Mm-hmm. Like it's lose, okay. It's like losing a ball game. It that's it might sting for a minute but at the end of the day who cares and i was i was going to bring up paul and barnabas we know those guys were close mm-hmm. and they had a disagreement in acts what is it acts 15 the end of acts 15 can we go to acts real quick that's where to I, I was going to act 17 too so i mean i want go to, to I, I gotta stop leaving my notebook in here before we get started you yeah, well okay Acts 15, starting in verse 36. I'm not going to read all of it for the sake of time. Uh, we'll leave that to our dear listener to do. But there's a disagreement amongst the group of guys who are on a specific mission. And uh, Paul takes somebody and goes one way. Barnabas takes somebody and goes the other. But we 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 know they were on the same team, doing the same thing, preaching the same gospel. And eventually, we read in later letters... They've reconciled. So it was okay. They had a very contentious disagreement there, but it was okay. It's okay. Can I ask you all one more sure. group question? What What do you learn from disagreements? Well, it depends on how it's handled. You know, sometimes I learn um, how wrong I am. <laughs> uh, sometimes, you know, what you really learn about from disagreements is you learn a lot about the character of the people involved in the disagreement. You can learn who your friends are. Yeah. And you think about the response. The, the response teaches you a lot about that person and yourself, too. But yeah, sure. What about you, Big Show? What do you what have you learned from disagreements? Uh, that rarely happens to me. 
No. So. That's awesome. <laughs> having disagreement or learning from one another. Uh, both. <laughs> wow. No, I mean. You just always do what your wife says, I see. That's pretty awesome. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Awesome. But, I, I mean, like, like Daniel says, I think you learn about if it's a hotly debated item, the response from that, are you able to get back together? Is there still love in that relationship, you know? And, you know, sometimes it's a process, too. I, I go back to, you know, where he read from James chapter 4, and then we'll go to Acts 17. But uh, James chapter 4, when he says that we need to be quick to hear and slow to wrath. Now, for me, I don't know how to gauge that timeline there, how long that is. But sometimes that can be, you know, our friend Leland, he always says that things will look better in the morning when the sun comes up. And then I'm thinking if you can just kind of give some time, you know, because, I mean, James is saying for me, and I don't want to read too much in the scripture, but, but for me, that's, that's saying that you've got some time to slow think down. about the, yeah, slow down, whether it's 24 hours, it might be six months, you know, working through disagreement is a process, you know, so I, and I and will, as we kind of wrap up, I did, I'm always wanting to help somebody find common ground. If you go to act 17, I'll go real quick. You think about Paul, he's standing in what I would call a university town, you know, in front of the smart guys, the Epicureans and the Stoic philosophers. And they're pretty much ridiculing him, but he does. I learned a lot about how to handle things by Paul's response because he's preaching Christ. And if you look at verse 22, it says, Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I've even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Now, Paul is not saying this is right. He's not saying I agree with you. I'm not, he's not saying I'm willing to give up they found turf. the common ground with him. Yeah, because the key, here's the common ground. He says, I perceive that in all things you're very religious. So he did not create enemies. He furthered the conversation. In he my, complimented them. He com- I, I see your religion. I see you are concerned. You he are started concerned. where they were. Yeah, started where they were. You know, it's one-on-one. So for me, I always use that as a way to to further the conversation and to remember that even those we oppose or those who oppose us, God loves us both the same, and who we serve will dictate our strategy. Well, uh, thank you, Big Al, and we want to thank our producer, Big Show Joe. And uh, we want to thank you, dear listener, for being a, a part of this. Well, what about you? What uh, what tips do you have for how to disagree without being disagreeable? And we'd love to hear about it. Email us at soultrainingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we also want to thank the elders at the South Green Street Church of Christ for making soul training possible. Uh, and until next time, keep soul training. Soul training. Practice what you preach. Ooh, yeah. Yes, we do. We've got soul training. To learn more, you can email us at soultrainingpodcast at gmail.com or you can write to us, P.O. Box 503, Glasgow, Kentucky, 42142. That's soul training.